I still recall from the books I read All the great empires built in my head But every year I raise one more I poured it out and a wardrobe door But I, I'm still seeking top Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Seeking Tumnus, the podcast where we seek to understand the modern youth by drinking deeply of today's young adult fiction, and on alternating episodes, revisit the books from the springtime of our youth. My name is Laurie, and I'm joined by the predatory Keith Rowe, Hello. <laughs> the bloodthirsty Bree, <laughs> and the dark and broody Patrick Moon. What up? <laughs> so broody. <laughs> this episode, we snuggle up to the living dead in the absolute blockbuster, the international, supernatural, romantic heavyweight champion of the world, Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. But first, a warning. Warning. This episode of Seeking Tumnus will contain beautiful creatures. <laughs> Step right up, Patrick. Spoilers. (laughs) If you haven't read Twilight, get your hands on a copy and sink your teeth into this transformative tale. This podcast may also contain infatuation, unhealthy obsessions, tantric encounters, clumsy teenagers, inappropriately disparate relationships, and vampire baseball. This message was brought to you by Volvo. (laughs) Now, Pat, get ready to sparkle under the spotlight of page one. Thank you. I'd never given much thought to how I would die, though I'd had reason enough in the last few months. But even if I had, I would not have imagined it like this. I stared without breathing across the long room into the dark eyes of the hunter, and he looked pleasantly back at me. Surely it was a good way to die in the place of someone else, someone I loved. Noble, even. That ought to count for something. I knew that if I'd never gone to Forks, I wouldn't be facing death now. But terrified as I was, I couldn't bring myself to regret the decision. When life offers you a dream so far beyond any of your expectations, it's not reasonable to grieve when it comes to an end. The hunter smiled in a friendly way as he sauntered forward to kill me. The end. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of snark there. Brie. I want to know what happens. I want to know how she slash he, it's not clear, gets out of it. Mm. I'll turn to the next page. You don't think it's a little bit cheap? Uh... No. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> I hadn't hey, thought about it. Hey, thanks for talking, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I was sold on page one, but the sheer weight of popularity pressed me onwards. So, Keith? Yeah, that pretty much summed it up for me. The first couple of pages didn't do a lot for me, but I did want to read on to find out just why this was so popular. What about you, Pat? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought similarly, I guess. I'd read it before, but I couldn't remember any of it, so I read that page with the same 
uh, wide-eyed naivete as the the rest of you, except for Bree, obviously. Yeah, it, it 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 drew me in to read more, but I do, I don't really like that cliffhanger thing. Like I said, it's a little bit cheap. It feels a bit kind of, you know, author kind of sticking their tongue out at you, like I know something you don't know, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, I I, I read on and have separate thoughts about how well my time was spent doing that. Yeah. We'll get onto that. Right. I be, before we go on to the synopsis. Just hearing it again now, it doesn't seem to quite match what happens later on because it is a foreshadowing of something that happens at the very end of the book. And and just oh, maybe it's my reading of it, but I thought it was a lot darker than that. I was just thinking that too, actually. There's lots of Does talk that about... passage get repeated? Like no, I was about to say, t- typically when that kind of device is used, the, the, the passage is repeated again or a, a slight variation on the passage is repeated again to kind of flag... Uh, and and bring you back to that to that moment, and when I read that section at the end of the book, I didn't actually remember that that was at the beginning. Mm. Uh, I'd so I'd been so hopelessly lost in Edward Cullen's eyes through the rest of the novel that I'd I'd forgotten about the the, the danger that had been foreshadowed. So yeah, that sense of uh, suspense that she'd obviously tried to create at the beginning of the book didn't carry over. A hundred percent agree there. I'd forgotten completely about it until you started reading. I'm like, hang on a second, what? page are you reading here (laughs) (laughs) Bree it's not our ignorance right that's not a trick that's not really the end of the last book or something no no it's not okay all right you're right I think the device is a bit messed up there it's like a I don't know like the literary equivalent of a mixed metaphor or something Hmm. yeah I think you're you're quite right okay all right Bree tell us what happened with the rest of the book for the listeners who have sagely, foolishly, or otherwise avoided the book, the movie, the sequels, and the reimagined gender bender to be revisited later this episode, I give you Twilight in roughly 200 words. Bella moves to the small town of Forks at 17 to live with her father, Charlie. Despite being introverted and insecure, she is appreciated by her high school peers and is of particular interest to Edward Cullen Dark brooding, intriguing, stunningly beautiful. She fears him. She is fascinated by him. She fascinates him. And this cycle goes on and on and on. And on. (laughs) Thank you. Edward is mature, protective, conflicted. He drives his Volvo fast, flaunts danger, is easily riled when Bella is threatened. He impossibly protects her from an out-of-control car and almost rapes all the while warning her how dangerous he is. Bella struggles to reconcile his seemingly inhuman traits and it's not until she is reacquainted with the Native American Jacob Black that she hears the theory that Edward and his family are vampires. Bella plays up her fascination to Edward and learns that they are in fact vampires. But don't worry, they drink animal blood. Edward has to try really hard to control his Bella-biting urges. She is the most alluring human he has come across in his hundred years on this planet. What else requires a mention? The Native American tribe that lives nearby have a treaty with Edward's family. They won't suck human blood and they will stay off each other's land in return for peace. Some of the vampires have special and unique skills. Edward, for example, can read all human minds except for Bella's and his sister Alice can read the future. Jacob Black 
gradually becomes a potential love interest. He begins Twilight as a boy, but becomes stronger and more convincing by the end, which sort of sets it up for the next book in the series. And Bella becomes increasingly obsessed with wanting to become a vampire, creating tension between her and Edward. I suppose the excitement, in inverted commas, comes from an outsider vampire, James, who tracks Bella. And Bella has an elaborate escape plan and is taken captive. Edward and his family rescue her, but not before she is bitten by James. Edward sucks out the venom, preventing her from turning into a vampire and somehow resisting the urge to suck her dry. Bella and Edward love each other. And so begins the series. That was not a synopsis in 200 words. It was pretty close. I think you covered all of the major plot points there. Do you agree, guys? Yeah, the few that there were, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. Why why did you choose it, Brie? It was your choice this episode? Look, there are a few reasons. Firstly, I read this translated into French in 2009, and I read a couple (laughs) of them at the time. Was it it signed by Roald Dahl? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say... (laughs) At the time, I enjoyed it. I devoured it. I spent a lot of time in airports and it was an easy thing to flick through. I wasn't really sure whether it was because it was in a language that isn't my native tongue, but it was still a story that I could follow, I guess because it's so repetitive. And I wasn't sure whether it was the characters, whether I identified with them. So I sort of wanted to revisit because of that. And also it's the 10th anniversary of the release of the original Twilight book. And there's been a reimagined version called Life and Death, which has been written by Stephanie Meyer, the author. And she's reversed the genders of the characters. So Bella becomes Beau, a 17-year-old who moves to Forks. And Edward becomes Edith, the vampire. So it's quite timely. And it's also just a smash out of the park blockbuster book with three sequels and smash it out of the park movies. The actors were made by the movies. Mm. Millions of people swoon for either Edward or Jacob and we're all well aware of Team Edward versus Team Jacob. If you just have to Google Twilight a little bit and you can sort of see the pages and pages of fan fiction and fan love. So we should read it. See what the fuss is about. You guys should read it. Absolutely. I, I agree, and we did. <laughs> Patrick, your first cab off the rank. Was it everything you dreamed it could be? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. And I actually read it a few years ago, so I had this vague inkling in my mind that it, it, it wasn't too bad or it was something that I could kind of get through as a, a bit of a trashy, fun read. Do you remember why you read it? Uh, I was overseas uh, as well. Oh my god, it's an airport book. We all <laughs> yeah. look for trash on travel. Yeah, I think I was in France at the time and <laughs> just looking... I actually, I actually was in France at the time and I was just looking for something, I guess, interesting to read and I picked it up in, in my native English, unfortunately. <laughs> And yeah, I just I smashed it. It only only took me a couple of days of sort of sitting around in airports or on trains or whatever for me to get through it. And I kind of enjoyed the experience, I think. But going back and reading it now, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's awful. It's so bad. And just it, it, the character of Edward in particular, just well, no, I take that back. All the characters. 
all the characters suck. They're all horrible people. They grate on my nerves. They drive me, like, up the wall. It's atrocious. Bella is such a sap. She has no personality. She's a sook. She's a mope. She's the worst kind of girl on the planet. I hate her so much. (laughs) And (laughs) Edward is this angst-filled prick he's hopeless he's got nothing going for him i don't see how these two quintessentially unlikable characters can love each other so much because they are unlovable only their parents could love them they are awful they're terrible and it that made it a chore to read it made it absolutely freaking awful to read i just wanted to murder both of them if the if the evil vampires had come in and torn both of their heads off it, it couldn't have been too soon I don't think I have much more to say beyond that other than Bella was using what was sort of described as a painfully slow dial-up modem in what can I only assume was about 2004-2005 which is just atrocious She must have lived near me No town should have internet that bad I don't understand, Patrick Are you saying that you didn't like it? Oh, it's okay (laughs) (laughs) What did you think, Keith? Well, after that uh, how, how can I follow that, really? I didn't dislike it as much as you did. There's always a degree of curiosity about anything that's really popular. I wonder whether, you know, there's an underlying quality with it, an endearing feature that will lure you in and and get you hooked. And obviously there is something about this book, this series of books and the movies that, that has that, because it is incredibly popular. So that's why I wanted to read it. I had no interest in it otherwise. So I'm glad that we had this opportunity to read it here. What did I like about it? <laughs> I wrote the long pause before that. I'm, I'm thinking. I'll, I'll cover off the things, some of the things I didn't like about it first. I didn't like the way that Bella was really dismissive of everyone in this town. The moment she arrived, it was as though she was better than everyone there. Hmm. She's unique and different because they don't understand her. She's a she's a, a seashell or a snowflake who. You know, goes against the grain, and it's so so patently pandering to that sort of disenfranchised teenage mindset. I didn't think that she thought she was superior. Like, I, I don't know about superior. She she felt she was very different, definitely. But the way she interacted with them a lot of the time was condescending. She sees them as simple country folk. I felt. Yeah, she's definitely felt she's more complex than them, and particularly her father. She really sort of sees him as a simple uncomplicated, not interesting, not worldly kind of guy. Mm. Side note, one of the only sort of nice, reasonable characters in the book. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's going too far. So, yeah, the other thing I really did not like is that every time we saw Edward, she had to remind us just how amazingly beautiful he was. It was excessive to the max. The first half of the book was basically them stumbling upon each other and her revealing just how amazingly gorgeous he was and struggling to speak, struggling to walk, struggling to do everything in his presence. And despite that, the book took itself really seriously. I thought it could have had a bit more humour in there. You know, the the main humour that they played up was her clumsiness, how love-struck she was. There was a few obvious vampire puns in there as well, which I'm sure we'll indulge ourselves with throughout this podcast. The one thing that stuck as really ridiculous was the way that the vampires played baseball. (laughs) I actually liked that quite quite a lot. No, <laughs> I, I, I didn't. It seemed to me to be completely out of step with the rest of the book. Like, yeah, you know, you've got this high school setting, you've got this small town, you've got you know the the dark 
romance, if you want to call it that. You've the, got the forest. The abusive relationship. <laughs> and then they all just sort of like cut to this bright and happy superhero kind of baseball game. It just didn't seem to sit well with me. Yes, it, it sort of set up for that next scene where the dark hunter, the James vampire, comes along and starts messing things up, but it just seemed wacky that they would have this sort of carefree, cheesy American Sunday afternoon kind of ball game. And that they would invite her there to watch it. It was a bit odd. And yeah. I think it was their way of introducing, like you say, James, this hunter vampire. When I was reading it, I couldn't really imagine these vampires playing baseball. So I had to YouTube and watch the scene from the movie. And what I had imagined in my head was pretty ridiculous. And what I saw from the movie far, far, far <laughs> exceeded that. <laughs> it was just so bad so horribly bad but yeah i'm sure we'll touch on some of that when we talk about the movie so i won't burn all that material just yet i haven't watched the movie so i won't be participating too heavily in that conversation there but even after having read the book and seen some of these horrible clips from the movie i'm still curious about it pretty sure i'll find myself watching it pretty soon my little sister casey is a big fan of the series so i'll probably watch it with her and maybe she can fill me in on why she likes it Okay, so I've talked about what I didn't like about it. There was some things I did like about the book. When I sort of lowered my guard, I was a bit resistant to liking this. It felt a bit... What's the word I'm looking for? Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Felt a little trashy. I wouldn't say it's shit. I actually thought it was relatively well written and it was easy to read and that's probably why it's so popular. So there was a general polish about it that yeah made it quite consumable. It's definitely longer than it needs to be it just drags on like this analysis i'm giving here it just never ends (laughs) (laughs) so i'll I'll just sum it up would i continue reading the series no would i read it again no am i glad i read it just a little bit Mm. that's a good synopsis i feel a bit uncomfortable i didn't think i'd be in this position but i actually didn't think it was that bad (gasps) how down (laughs) i um I started reading it, and I think I might have led both the listeners and perhaps you guys astray. I thought I had read it. I'm positive that I hadn't now that I have read it, and I feel like I'd seen either some of the movie, most of the movie, or all of the movie, because I could not read the book without thinking of those actors, and maybe it's just promotional materials, but I feel like I'd watched the baseball game and the fight at the end and stuff before, so I had to imagine the characters as the actors. I realised that, you know, a chapter in, I hadn't read it before, and I had all these preconceptions about how terrible it was going to be, and it didn't meet those expectations. Yes, it was far too long, and yes, the abusive relationship that Bella and Edward have the you know you should be scared of me but I'm not scared of you but you should be but I love you (laughs) (laughs) but I might kill you what what page are you reading from there (laughs) all All of them them. (laughs) (laughs) apart from that I didn't I didn't mind the characters as much as I thought I was going to hate them. Like, Edward, I know, Patrick, you really, really hated him. You said that he was just had no redeeming qualities. But I, I don't know whether it's because I've read a, a little bit of vampire fiction. None of this sort of new post sort of 20, uh, I don't know, 2010 or 2005 sort of revival of vampires in this sort of romantical sense, but maybe some of the older stuff. And I kind of got the sense of that 
that real conflict of a of a creature that's supposed to be pure evil and his existence is fueled by human blood and i try to imagine what that would be like having lived for years trying to live this quote unquote vegetarian existence and just eating animals and then suddenly being introduced to the absolute perfect drug of a of a woman walking in the room and i and i kind of wondered about that like i i think i started feeling sympathy for edward i didn't feel quite so much for bella but again i thought i would hate bella i i had read I think it was in the beginning of, of the book, the version that we got, which has the original version, I think, with a few edits, plus this new version, which was called what, Brie? Life and Death. Life and Death, which is the gender bender. As a sort of introduction to the book, she she talks about what she's changed. And with the gender bender version, she said that something along the lines of a lot of people complained or were dissatisfied with the damsel in distress, the whole book. Yes, she's clumsy, but I was expecting her to be... I don't know, just completely useless and continually... She she was. No, she, she wasn't. I mean, the, the accident at the beginning where she's almost killed by a truck, that's not her fault. She was just standing at the wrong place at the wrong time and she happened to be saved. Later on, maybe she was a bit careless in a strange town late at night, mm. all alone. But both of those scenarios, really, neither of them are explicitly her fault sure she's clumsy but i mean i think back to my youth and i was the worst sportsman ever <laughs> it's so, you know, and was... we've all walked down a dark alley and felt felt a little bit uncomfortable yeah it doesn't have to be her fault though there's there's nothing in like a damsel in distress kind of scenario that implies a, a blame of bella or that it's her fault or anything it's 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 the narrative the problem lies with the narrative and ha- having said that, she doesn't have any redeeming qualities, as far as I can see. Mm. She 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 exists pretty much solely to be uh, a love interest and someone who. Well, I I, 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 dis- yeah. I disagree. For me, yep. if for me, it's like I expected her to be less intelligent, and she was supposedly. I think she. It seemed to me that she was well in front of her peers, except for maybe Edward, who's had a few decades to study the same material over and over again. But she was smart. She was accepting of a creature that was a monster, you know. Because he was really, really good looking. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he says that himself. It's not. It's not her fault. He is designed, like I guess the the disease or the infection or whatever it is that makes them a vampire, makes them beautiful to draw in humans. So yes, she succumbs to that to some degree, but. She's also logical and accepting of what is it is something that's really different. And in, in a world where, you know, homophobia and xenophobia exists. Oh, dear. You're going to pay for as <laughs> a noble equal opportunist? <laughs> She's interspecies friendly. <laughs> well, she is. So, yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't love her. But I didn't hate her as much as I, I thought I was going to. Yep. There were qualities that, that sort of brought it back a little bit for me. I Keith? would say that she is more likable in the book than the version of her that is portrayed in the movie. And we might get to that. Oh, mm. Yeah, I, I agree with Pat. Except I don't, because I agree with Laurie. So, yeah, I, I thought Bella was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're going to love my rose in my chest, system. only to be crushed. <laughs> no, I thought she, was, she wasn't so bad. Remember, she's a 17-year-old girl. When she talks about her time in Phoenix, she was never interested in boys. She comes here, she sees this 
beautiful creature who has her basically awestruck and in what she will call love straight away and that that is her whole world in this new town so i guess when you you go somewhere new you find something to attach yourself to and that's what he is to her isn't it bland though it is a bit but you know remember she's a 17 year old girl you cannot though excuse edward's behavior because although he was transformed as a 17 year old he's 100 years old why is he carrying on like a 17 year old (laughs) is he trapped though is he trapped in his like his age to some degree Will he always I think be that's a the implication when uh, when she asks how old he is and he says 17 and she asks how long he's been 17 for and he says whatever he says a long time mm, or... yeah that's that's still when he's sort of being cagey about being a vampire so she doesn't know what he is at that point I don't think so yeah he was I, I think it's telling though yeah but I mean there's some degree I guess because everyone would treat him as though he's a 17 year old so that's to be expected, but like you know, his his habits and his hobbies and whatnot aren't that of a seventeen year old. Let's not skirt around it, Keith. Are you calling him a pedophile? Is it is that? <laughs> <laughs> I may be. Yeah, yeah like I, I yeah, wanted that it's, too. I, you it's know, a little you... inappropriate. He couldn't be with someone his own age, with the exception of a vampire. Yeah, I guess they don't really have a lot in common in terms of shared experience. He grew up in the the early nineteen hundreds, and she's this turn of the century dial up internet person i was about to say they probably both have similar experiences with the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know I, I i thought about that when you mentioned it during the week keith and i the only sort of justification i had in my mind was the fact that he might be sort of trapped as a 17 year old permanently there were a couple of hints about things that I don't know, made me think that maybe that wasn't the case. Later on, when he, he was talking about the uh, the ball, uh, what are they called? The prom? Mm, yeah. That it was an important rite of passage and that's something that she shouldn't miss. That made me think that he was a little bit more adult or maybe he's just a really mature 17-year-old. Well, yeah, or he's missing that sort of thing himself and that's why he's so resistant to her being transformed. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, mm. Yeah, that's a fair analysis. I didn't think it was inappropriate, but it was a bit strange. So, yeah, I guess yeah, there is an element of him being trapped in that age. You don't think it's inappropriate for a girl to date a 110-year-old <laughs> undead monster? <laughs> Controversy, I know, but... <laughs> as long as she's home by 11, you're okay with it. In the context of the book and their relationship, I thought it was okay. I don't think he was taking advantage of her. He's not a monster. What? No, he's not. What is inappropriate, though, is a stalker dating the object of the stalker's affection because in many ways i mean he sits there outside her room watching her sleep outside her room or inside inside her room yeah yeah Yeah, that's true like after the second time they met he started like (laughs) sleeping in her bedroom like without her knowing it's uh mm. yeah that was pretty inappropriate so i agree yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think totes in approach. Can you imagine though, like if you're Edward and you can read everyone's mind, and suddenly this creature comes along that you can't read the mind of them? So I guess that's a good reason. You do have this fascination, exactly, to be intrigued, and it's kind of like, well, hang on a second, how do I understand this person? And that's why he spends so much time. He's intrigued, but also fantasizing about murdering her. So, well, you know, that's his natural instinct. He's going to live forever. He doesn't have to sit in her room all night. Like it's not like he has to be a stalker. He's a little bit more. Well, he should be a little bit more mature than. She's not going to live forever. No. And he intends for her not to live forever. And if we follow the idea that he's a 17-year-old, she's not going to be 17 forever. Mm. The, the other thing, though, that I only just thought of this now when Bree mentioned the stalker is that he does have access to the minds of everyone around her. So that is like the ultimate stalker. 
the equivalent for us is we go on to Facebook, we look at all their Facebook friends and, you know, try and find out as much about them if you're a weirdo stalker person. But he just reads their mind and knows yeah. everything that she's doing except for reading her mind directly. That is really creepy. I didn't think about he that. He actually really. talked about that too when, when she took a trip into one of the nearby towns with her school friends and he followed them into the town and was reading the mind of her friends in order to kind of determine where she you know, was. what she was up to, yeah. where she was going. I have to admit though, like if I was a few hundred years old or a hundred years old or, or whatever and suddenly something different for the first time in decades and decades shows up and I can't read her mind where I could read the minds of all these other sort of sheep or people, then maybe I'd be too intrigued to resist. Hmm. I mean, before he falls in love with her, and I'm not sure at what point that happens, what does it matter if he's tracking a human? It's just a human. This is going to be the podcast that's played at your court hearing. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. Before we move on to breathe there's just one point that i i want to mention that i didn't like and this is purely as a male i didn't read the whole book of life and death i just read a few choice scenes that i was reading the regular book and they just kept banging on and on and on about how beautiful this boy was you know as a man and i'm not sure this is true for all men but i just didn't want to read it like sure you you get it set up you see he's a vampire so he's inexplicably beautiful great but just to have it rammed down my throat over and over again i got a bit sick of it so i read those same scenes where ed is what's his what's her name edwina edith edith <laughs> <laughs> Edith is this super hot vampire chick, and I found that much, much more palatable. So, <laughs> <laughs> but they tone it down. Yeah, so they do tone back the verbose nature or the verbose tendency that Bella has to describe him. They it's... really do cut it down to man talk. Right, she's hot. Yeah, there is one scene... gaunt, bony, mm. hot, so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody listening can see me rolling my eyes right now, it's like that supermodel, gaunt, waif, childlike thing. So when he actually does give a description of Edith and what he likes about her, that's what is immediately brought to mind for me. Right. That drove me nuts. There are a couple of... uh... A couple of scenes where uh, Bella describes Edward, like in the in the clearing, and it was far more kind of sexualized than I remembered it being, where she's describing his sort of chiselled chest and the the form of his arms and things as he has his shirt unbuttoned. And yeah, I'd certainly be interested to to see how she approaches that. Sexualized, from, from the other side. but chaste because you know, no kissing, marriage, yeah. all of those sorts of things. Here's a quote for Pat. Wore no jacket himself, just a light grey knit v-neck shirt with long sleeves. Again, the fabric clung to his perfectly muscled chest. It was a colossal tribute to his face that it kept my eyes away from his body. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. That's exactly the type of thing I imagine. Calm down, Bree! <laughs> just super briefly, because uh, whoever edits this will probably cut it out anyway. But I, I ended up, I think partially to amuse myself, with with all those scenes of agony, like the back of his hand across her face and trying so hard to resist, and it's this powerful struggle and everything. In my mind, I kind of converted him from a vampire to someone who was really struggling with premature ejaculation. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it, it, it works perfectly. <laughs> it makes so much sense and it makes the book infinitely more entertaining. Patrick, I'm going to need you to go take the movie, cut it into clips and just add sort of sound effects like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all, that's almost exactly what was happening. Oh, through the book. That, right. that first scene in the classroom where he sort of like right over the edge of the table would be perfect for it. All right, uh, now that we've degraded ourselves, the book, and our audience, Bree, what did you think of the book? Ah, oh, look, I remembered this more fondly than I actually enjoyed it this time around. But yes, <laughs> so I agree with elements of everything that you've all said. So Pat, yes, it is shit. It drives me nuts. Yes, Keith, it goes on and on and is repetitive. Yes, Laurie, there are elements of Bella that I quite like. She is smart. She is more nuanced and more interesting in the book than she is in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But I still don't hate Bella and Edward as people or as vampires. I think for me... I've been trying to figure out why I have read all four of the books and watched all of the movies. And the second movie in particular is terrible. And yet I still saw the third and the fourth. There are elements of Bella that I think every person who's been a teenage girl can understand. So that insecurity, that obsession you have with the first boy that you like or who might like you. I liken it to doodling on the front of your English book or in the back or not thinking about anything else. Like it is this kind of, it is almost an unhealthy obsession until you learn what relationships are really like. And I think that that's what drives me nuts about it is that it doesn't actually develop. It just continues like that. There is this push pull obsessive relationship, which isn't ultimately healthy in real life. Mm. You can't have a relationship like that um and have it be healthy. There's too many elements that are like an abusive relationship. Yeah, it's very dysfunctional. And I read something online about how um, the American Society for Prevention of Domestic Violence, they have 15 signs of what you might find in a typical domestic violence relationship. And this book hits every single one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. That doesn't surprise me. This is dark. So for me, I find that a little jarring that this is the story of love that is being presented to a generation of people, women, girls, boys, whoever chooses to read it. So ultimately, that's annoying. And I find having read Life and Death that that is in part calmed down a little bit. Mm. It's some of that overtly negative stuff. It's still there, but it's not quite the same magnitude. Is that because of the gender reversal of the roles? Did you find anything from their relationship, Brie, that was positive? I mean, there's two parts. Like on Bella's side, she finds him super attractive. Mm. On Edward's side, she smells fantastic. Like (laughs) she... (laughs) Well, that's it, though. He like... finds her fascinating. He wants to understand her. He wants to spend time with her. He mm. wants to. He wants her to enjoy life. Like I think that's a really positive thing. He wants her to, to, you know, live her life right to the end, rather than have this shadow of a life because you're only living it in the same way all of the time. Does right, that... that's true. He does resist the relationship a lot because he wants her to be happy. Mm. And conversely, she's saying, "My life, full stop, isn't worth." 
having. I'm willing to give it away in its entirety because there's nothing in my life except you, which it was which is not I okay. Really, I found it off-putting. Mm. Like it is teenage. It probably hits on that really sort of immature perspective of relationships, but it's it's off-putting and it's unhealthy. And it's there is something more to that though. There is that fact that if she did give up her life, she would suddenly be the most beautiful and competent physically. Everything that she's not now, she could be. It's not just the fact that she wants to be with him and be with him forever. She could be so much more as a vampire. Yeah, that's right. That's never touched on, though. They, they, she, she doesn't long for that. She longs for I, I thought that's why mm. they set her up as a bumbling, clumsy kind of girl because, you know, I haven't read the books, um, the, the remaining books, and I haven't seen the remaining movies, but I imagine that eventually she becomes a vampire and all of that is cast aside and she becomes like Supergirl. Yeah, that may be the case, but it's not her motivation here for wanting to be a vampire. Mm, okay. Go on, Brie. Actually, you're wrong. She does turn into vampire but remains clumsy. <laughs> the series is just a, a slapstick comedy about the clumsiest vampire. It's much lighter in tone. She smacks into trees at 200 kilometres per hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yakety sax playing. <laughs> Go on, so, Brie. beyond all of that, I find the writing sloppy. I agree that the baseball is ridiculous. And there's still this, there's just no character development in this book. It's just push me, pull me, love me, hate me, stay away. You're amazingly beautiful right through to the end of the book. And this just continues for the next, here's the spoiler, for the next three books. Oh, really? And movies. I kind of hope that Jacob <laughs> would come in and shake things up because I, I find him okay as a character. He's not forceful in the same way that Edward sort of is right on the scene and sort of pushing his motives. And he's just a nice kid who shows up, gives her a warning. He doesn't really want to give her the warning. He feels a bit embarrassed about it. I thought, yeah, this is the guy that's going to come in and. Nice guys, finished last. Oh, boo hiss. Mm. That's a big spoiler then. <laughs> he's not really doesn't play much of a part in this book I think I read somewhere that he wasn't intended to be anything more than just sort of a bit player in this book and that's it and his popularity from this has led to him in the in the subsequent books playing a larger role oh, yeah, he's much much more involved in the, the second book in in which because Edward's uh, shenanigans sort of only increase in intensity which leaves room for, for Jacob to kind of uh, step in and be the protector whisk Bella away yeah, the, I recall that, that book being pretty tedious. Mm. All right, Brie, keep going. No? No more? No more. Do you want some examples of why you really liked this book the first time you read it, Brie? <laughs> <laughs> That's intriguing. Go yeah, on. That was must be six years ago. I reckon it was 2009. Are you going to read us some French? <laughs> I, Man, I, I read it in France in 2009. Oh, we were probably Patrick. like... Like next door to each other. Damn it. I meant to say when it came to my turn, I I meant to say, oh yes, I was in Lyon and I was <laughs> eating a baguette, and someone slid me this uh, hardcover, and I had no idea what it was. But I'm trying to think what I think I went. To. Damn it! Opportunity missed. All right, let's let's move on. Oh, hang on. But did you we'll have something there, Keith? What was what were you leading into? Oh, I was just going to hit us with some more quotes from the book. As I was reading through it, I was highlighting passage after passage <laughs> with a three-letter note, V-O-M. You can guess what I was implying with that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let's, let's do this because don't, I don't think we do this enough. I don't think we directly reference or quote the books enough. So give us a few choice quotes. But our eyes held and the silence deepened and changed 
flickers of the electricity I'd felt this afternoon began to charge the atmosphere as he gazed unrelenting into my eyes. It wasn't until my head started to swim that I realised I wasn't breathing. When I drew in a jagged breath, breaking the stillness, he closed his eyes. The writing is not good. The writing was, yeah, it wasn't good, but it was easily consumed, I thought. Yeah, I I agree with that. When you mentioned that before, Keith, I wanted to say that I agree that I I don't think the writing was was great, no. Patrick, you're right, but it was very consumable. Like, I can understand why lots of kids read this book. I would contend that, yes, it's consumable, but... Harry Potter, for example, is so much better written. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. So you can write well in a very popular genre. Mm. Mm. All right. Did you have another one, Keith? Oh, I've got plenty more. (laughs) Give us another. Blood boiled under my skin, burned in my lips. My breath came in a wild gasp. My fingers knotted in his hair, clutching him to me. My lips parted as I breathed in his heady scent. Immediately I felt him turn to unresponsive stone beneath my lips His hands gently, but with irresistible force, pushed my face back mm. uh, Yeah, again, I, the writing is just distractingly poor for me I, The metaphors and the figurative language she uses is just unappealing And it, it doesn't really make sense a lot of the time, I don't think It's, it's immersion breaking I wish you'd prepared, Keith, with the alternate quotes That would have been great Oh yeah, it would you have could been see how saucy they are Yeah <laughs> She kissed me, it, it was hot <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was not wearing a bra <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too saucy I'm, I might have to reread <laughs> Later that's definitely what I think the appeal of this book was, that sort of um, risque element of the of the romance and, and the way that they were staring longingly into each other's eyes all the time. There was just so much sort of, of that build-up, though. I, I was kind of... It was too much build-up, too much of that foreplay, so to speak, mm. and uh, it, it just didn't go anywhere. And I know ultimately it, it does. I'm sure it pays off to some extent, but... But four books in. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah right. The, the other thing that kind of just came into my mind then, when Bella couldn't be read by Edward, I thought maybe that was a foretelling of her having some history of her own, some supernatural history of her own or something Spoiler coming alert. more to her. And it didn't come, and that was a bit disappointing for me. Does that come, Brie? Spoiler alert, yes. Is she a Sookie Stackhouse fairy? She's a fairy. No, she doesn't have a supernatural background. She has... A unique talent as a vampire. Yeah, but that's different because it sort of yeah. talks about how you know their nat- what their talents are as a human will be True. amplified as a vampire. So I kind of expected that, but I thought there might be something else. She might be some other sort of creature, exactly like Suki Stackhouse being a fairy. No, but didn't didn't happen, and that was disappointing. Spoiler alert: What what is her unique talent as a vampire? I'm intrigued now. She has the power of protection in some way, so she can actually block other people from reading her mind and she can actually throw out like a protective barrier she already to... can do that. <laughs> I can do that. And she can protect other people from the special powers of other vampires as well. Ah, as like a, a barrier. A nullifying kind of thing. Yeah, like armour, I guess. Like a bit of okay. armour. More power to you, lady. You sound like you're more interesting as a dead person. <laughs> than she also gives birth to a half-human, half-vampire. Oh, is it Blade? And does he go... <laughs> I was about to say, because it's going to really start heating up if there's a crossover with the Blade universe. That's the only thing that could really... Dampier. I've actually seen a trailer online that includes Blade 
in Twilight. <laughs> I'll have to look it up and I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll send it to you guys. All right, let's talk about the gender bender. Bree, I, I see you've written some notes about it. Yeah, do you want to start off? I'll try and do it briefly. To celebrate the 10th anniversary of the release of Twilight, Stephanie Meyer, who's the author, reimagined the entire book in a gender bender version. One trick pony. <laughs> hang, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's just address that. She has written a very popular series of books called The Host, I think, or maybe the first book's called The Host. And I think it's about, uh, I shouldn't talk about it because I'm sure there's some rabid fans that are just going to correct me, but from looking solely at the cover and maybe reading it once several years ago, like uh, a girl infected with a parasite that controls her or something. But anyway, not a one-trick pony. Wasn't that a good description of Twilight? A girl infected by a parasite that controls her? (laughs) (laughs) I take it back, one-trick pony. (laughs) Go on, Brie. So the human is a 17-year-old man-slash-boy called Beau Swan, and the vampire is a female by the name of Edith. So most of the roles are reversed, with a couple of exceptions. The most prominent is that Chief Swan, Charlie, remains his father, and Renee remains his mother. It feels like the same book, but like I've alluded to in tonight's discussion, that Beau's a bit less angry than Bella he's less verbose and while Edith still watches him sleep at night it's she seems less creepy like it doesn't come across more sexy quite as obsessive as Edward does does that make sense I did not hear what you said Patrick I said no never mind (laughs) it does make sense one of those things where the reverse is very creepy but a female doing it somehow isn't so much yeah is that our male perspective though maybe yeah probably and a cultural thing, I think, too. I was going to say, it's a societal thing, because there's a couple of other things which change as a result of Stephanie writing this character as a man. The ending changes as well, so this is a major spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't been able to scrape their pennies together and purchase the $20 online version. Pennies. <laughs> and hasn't been able to or has elected not to. <laughs> Either or. So Bo gets bitten by Joss, who is the female vampire equivalent of James. I don't understand why it was necessary to change every, essentially every character around. Bit of fun. It sort of makes discussions like this more confusing than they need to be. Can I just wind us back to the near rape scene? Is that... Well, I'm going to mention that in a minute. Okay. Hold your horses. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we'd gone past it in the book and I thought I didn't want to miss out. Next time I'm going to send you all of my notes ahead of this episode. (laughs) No, so Edith's unable to save him and so he's actually turned into a vampire in the ballet studio. Then what happens between then and the end of the book is that he observes his own funeral and he sees his father and his mother holding his coffin. He has an encounter with the werewolves, so he finds out through that that there is the werewolves who actually live in the town. Oh, so it completely breaks from the rest of the series at this point. Yeah, it oh. actually... It, it makes it clear that the other, pretty much the other ones don't exist. Yes. It, it diverges from canon yep. completely. and it basically, in two chapters, finishes out the rest of their story. Yeah. So it's a little jarring because it's very, very quick. And you're right, Keith. So the role reversal, Maya has always maintained that the vampire and the vampire is female that the story of twilight still remains that it's true that it's a story of love rather than one of lust but i find that the 
you know, removal of the rape scene. We talked about it in terms of Bella going to Port Angeles for an outing and she goes into a dark alley. And what actually happens is that they basically threaten sexual assault on her and Edward comes speeding up in his car and whisks her away. His Volvo. (laughs) (laughs) Could do with a Volvo. Mm. But in this Couldn't instance... Couldn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Great car. V70 XE. I do actually have a Volvo. It's a very old one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Those things last forever. But in this instance, it's actually a threatened murder. So they threaten to murder him rather than rape him. So I'm not saying that they need to necessarily make that a rape scene, but it's just an interesting departure. Keith, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it doesn't seem as effective. Just these four people on the street decide to murder him for no reason. Yeah. What's their motivation? I guess it'd be hard in a small town Mm. to convincingly have four gay rapist men sort of approach you in an alley. Like having four rapist men together is less likely, isn't it? Have you seen that scene from Robocop? No. The reimagined one? (laughs) No, I haven't. Yeah, don't. Okay. (laughs) Secretly do. Right. I'm not, not saying it doesn't happen. I'm sure it has happened, but it's just... Uh, I don't really want to talk about such horribleness so much, but just four guys attacking another guy in a small country town seems less likely than four men attacking a girl who's on her own, especially if they're drunk or whatever they were. It's not great. I mean, it's it's a horrible thing, but it's just a more likely scenario. So I can see why she would switch it to murder. If they were just sort of rough murderous types, then that's a bit more likely. But Ugh, that's, not the like only, <laughs> that's not the only departure they make, right? So in later books in the Twilight series, Rosalie, you actually learn her background. And she was raped before she was, oh, before crying she was also turned. It's such a cheap plot device. It's so it's like the mark of a terrible writer that you need to fall back on these crappy tropes. And it is damsel in distress. Yep. Thank you, Patrick. Horseshit. I completely it's, agree. It's awful. So they actually change Rosalie's story. So Rosalie is known as Royal in the gender bender version and Royal is just beaten savagely. So I find that really frustrating. And there's also... Yes, Laurie? I was just going to ask, which one did you prefer? You you read them both just now, correct? Yes. Did you prefer the new version or did you prefer the original? I do not prefer either version. Oh. They both drove me <laughs> nuts to distraction. <laughs> the reimagined version is particularly sloppy. And I think it's because she, and she explains in the foreword that Maya was given a very short amount of time in which to come up with something interesting for the 10th anniversary. There's quotes in there like, when Edith pays for Beau's mushroom pasta after the threatened murder, she says something about, try not to get caught up in antiquated gender roles. And it's like, she's just shoving it in your face that she's mm. switching things over. So it's, it's mm. particularly sloppy and that is frustrating. And I also really disliked the way that they described Edith's beauty as this, I alluded to it earlier, as this gaunt waif supermodel type. It just grated on me that here is yet again another stereotype that's being tacked onto this book. But it's a woman that's done that. I know. Mm, I I know. know. And it's a conservative Christian value. I think she's actually, it's well documented, she's a Mormon. (laughs) I like how you say that, like there needs to be a wealth of kind of evidence. Like, Can can we prove this? We need need at least seven peer-reviewed journal articles. (laughs) But there is this waiting until marriage and abstinence and all of those things are implied. It's a very, it's a conservative 
book in that way or mm. it's a conservative series. So there's all of these sorts of things that I just find a little frustrating and disappointing. Gaunt women, rape scenes, they're very easy tactics. Bravo. I'm liking this book even less after these conversations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could win you around. Did either of you two boys read the, the new version, Life and Death? No. I read the last chapter. Of, well, I, I skimmed the last chapter or two. I was flicking back through trying to find uh, page one to read on the podcast and it caught my eye. And uh, I was sort of reading it thinking, this doesn't sound right. Like, this sounds sort of more like book four yeah. material. And uh, so that, so I saw that the, the ending had been uh, changed and went back and just read the, you know, skimmed the last chapter and the epilogue without a great deal of interest. But uh, there's no way I would subject myself to reading the whole thing again, no matter how bold her vision for a reimagined Twilight. I think it's a, a wasteland and... Nothing of worth shall grow here. Uh, I mean, it's it's quite clear to our audience by now that we're not big fans of the series or the book, and we'll just talk about this in a moment, the movie. But uh, I imagine there must be a few million fans out there that have just eaten this up. Yeah, there must be, and I'd love to hear someone that can passionately defend it because, yeah, there no doubt would be someone that would take what we're saying to heart and have some counters to our points. Yeah, if you have some feedback and you want to talk about how and why you loved either, then please hit us up on Facebook. Uh, we, we, we love to get into it. So, <laughs> And if there is a particularly vigorous discussion that ensues, then uh, we might bring it up before one of our future episodes. So don't be shy. Let's talk about the movie. Uh, we've all seen the movie, correct? Incorrect. Oh, all right, Keith, you missed out. Let me break down what I felt about the movie really shoddy special effects like really shoddy edward climbing up trees to give them a view of the surrounding countryside which i don't think was in the books no he ran through the forest and that also looked really tacky it reminded me when i was a very young man very young boy there was a spider-man movie i loved spider-man and I loved that movie as a kid but i saw it again sort of sometime in the last decade or so and Spider-Man running up the building. It, how do I describe it? Was it Italian Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah, like imagine like a frog trying to climb a window that has been sprayed with olive oil. Like just sort of, <laughs> just sort of flopping maniacally against the surface. That's what Edward looked like, A, running up the trees and B, running across the forest floor. It was just horrible. And I found that odd because there were some moments of real cinematic beauty there were a few shots and even a few close-up of characters that i think was just really well done like the close-ups of characters had great depth of field going on some of the scenery was was gorgeous i didn't like the filter they put over a lot of the film to give both edward and bella that sort of really pale cast but there were definitely some scenes in the movie that were just gorgeous to look at but the thing that really brought it down for me, apart from the pared down, perhaps too much script, was the actors. The uh, the two lead actors, Bella and and Edward, it was clear that it was either their first big role or they, they were just inexperienced actors. And I'm not sure how they developed over the next few movies, but... Bella in particular, and someone shout out the actress's name because I've temporarily... Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart, like, 
I think physically she looked right for the role. She made a few sort of facial expressions that worked, but she made a lot that didn't. And she was a little wooden. And one of the really sort of supposedly dramatic scenes at the end of the book where, you know, she's in hospital having been saved and Edward's sort of sleeping, sleeping um, next to her, waiting for her to wake up. And he says, all right, I've got to, I've got to go away because if you stay with me, you're going to be hurt again and again. And, you know, I'm leaving. And she, she, it's particularly jarring when she starts to yell, no, no, please don't leave me. It was just really poorly acted and it took me right out of the moment. So I hope she improved later on in the movies. But the problem is the movies don't improve. <laughs> right. Because the books don't either, right? So you work with what you got. Yeah. And she's obviously chosen, or the director's chosen, for her to play this character in a much more brooding, angry kind of way. Like, I I think Bella in the book has a bit of a chip on her shoulder, but she's not so angry at everything in the world. So that is just a choice that's made, I guess, in a movie. But I agree with you in general. But it's been a long time since I've seen it. Do you think this is kind of the popcorn action movie for women or for teenage girls? Certainly not for women. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's more popular amongst women, amongst females. Yeah. Not you, Brie, I'm not referring to you there, but <laughs> it's targeted at, at females. Is it that sort of easily consumed, like I say, popcorn action for a male audience? Is it the popcorn romance? Yeah, it probably is. It's easy enough to watch. I found some of the scenes where they're running through the forest and those sorts of things really hard, to, hard. like a, it's busy and my eyes are kind of flickering backwards and forwards from what I remember. But it is a chick flick that you can sit down. But you don't laugh and you don't, you're not cheering for them necessarily. Like that's the, that's the thing. Surely you laugh when they're playing baseball and, and <laughs> <laughs> the guy runs along and bounces on the trampoline that's been edited out to catch the ball. Surely you laugh at some of those moments. I wish. Yeah, I'm no romantic movie connoisseur, but everything that I think makes up a good romantic comedy, for example, is just missing. Like, there's no laughs. The romance is always tinged with this edge of violence, and that's their motif. But, Mm. you know, where's the payoff for the chicks in the chick flick sort of realm? Where's the passion? Yeah. Where's the she-raw moment? <laughs> the love doesn't have a, a payoff, I don't feel. Maybe it does much later on, but there's too much angst to make it a decent romance. And there's not enough horror to be a supernatural thriller. Not a great movie. Yeah. Patrick, do you remember your viewing of the movie? Still awake. It's been a, a long time since I saw it. I was uh, living with you when I watched it. Oh, wow. No, I, I remember it being crap. I remember this, like, even though I had enjoyed reading the book to some extent in that first go-round, I, I remember the movie being awful, except it had a bit of muse, I believe, in the baseball scene, a bit of iron and wine in the uh, the final dance scene, and uh, th- those are the only redeeming qualities in the whole, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I paid $5 to watch it today. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Should have bought a coffee. Yeah. Well, I really don't know how to wrap this up. Let's just do the scoring and get out before we depress our listeners too much more. Scoring this week. This book is Jacob, just coming into its own and hot as hell. 
This book is Edward, borderline interesting. This book is Bella, sometimes clumsy, but you want it to succeed. This book is James, it bites hard. Laurie. <laughs> do you mind if I make a manager's edit in here? Mm. Can we do it in the, the order from crap to best or best to crap? Because we jump there. No, we don't. Don't we? I thought Jacob would have been... Hot as hell. Number top of five. The this would have been number one, but oh, I don't know. It depends if you're Team Edward or Team Jacob. Mm. All right. Sorry. I'll, I'll just continue. Was Jacob really hot as hell in this anyway? I thought he was. No, he's not. This is <laughs> I'm editing point, this out. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, at the end, when he... Uh, in the movie, sorry. Because it, <laughs> at the beginning, he just looks like a normal sort of, I don't know, kid. But by the end of it, like he's wearing, a, I think he's wearing a nice shirt and he's got his hair all out and he looks like a manly man <laughs> as opposed to the sort of broody, cherry-lipped Edward. For all of our listeners, that's all it takes is a shirt. <laughs> a, ni- a nice shirt and a hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Laurie's easy that's to please. Right. So that's edited out because uh, my parents already think I'm gay. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, For me, I think... This book is Bella. It's sometimes clumsy. I wanted it to succeed. I'm not quite sure it did, though, really. So uh, what's that? That's a, that's a two out of five. Patrick, do you find it Jacob oh. Edward Bella James? Look, it's it's less than a James. It's a 100-year-old sex pest. No <laughs> <good>. <laughs> I give it no stars. Keith? Keith? Yeah, I'm going Bella. That's where I would have started before we had this discussion. Maybe I'm closer to a James now, but I'm going to stick with the Bella. I think it is borderline interesting. Oh, God, no, it's not. It's James. It bites hard. It sounds like you're Ouch. conflicted. You want to love it, but you hate it. No, I just love Jacob. <laughs> well, fair enough. He saves it. <laughs> you can love Taylor Lautner without okay, uh, thank having you to affiliate yourself Taylor with the Lautner books all the way. <laughs> My sister is Team Jacob as well, so there you go. She is a wonderful person. This this sister has she written some fan fiction where Jacob uh, gets the girl? Not that I'm aware of. Can you get her to write some before our next episode, and we'll tack it onto the end? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's a good special guest. Next episode, we escape from the fantastic, step out of the gloom and darkness, and get some glorious sunshine in one of my favourite books of all time, an autobiographical work by naturalist Gerald Durrell. And naturalist doesn't mean he gets naked. (laughs) (laughs) It's laugh out loud stuff. And I really can't wait to hear how my co-hosts rant and rave about what a wonderful choice I've finally made. Before we go, we know every podcast on the planet asks this of its listeners, but if any of you out there enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Even a one or two line review would work wonders. My family and other animals, go grab a copy, join us in two weeks, but until then, if you're not spooning in forks with a real dish, keep reading.
get some glorious sunshine in one of my favourite books of all time. An autographical, autobiographical, auto Biographical. Autobiographical. Autographical is Bree's book. (laughs) 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 And I really can't wait to hear what my co-hosts, co-hosts are. I got a black space, baby, and I got your name. Oh, I'm so sweaty right now. It's <laughs> gross.